This is the Mended Paths Podcast with Chadwick Hayward, episode 18. Welcome to MendedPaths.com. Let's get back to bedtime. Hi, Path Menders. Thanks so much for joining me for the 18th episode of the Mended Paths Podcast. This week, I am honored to be joined by Dr. Lori Marbus. Dr. Marbus is board certified in family medicine and is a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. She is the medical director for the newly opened Dr. Furman's Health Oasis in beautiful Boca Raton, Florida. She also hosts the Dr. Lori Marbus podcast and in collaboration with Chef Martin Oswald, runs the website docandchef.com. Dr. Marbus has used nutrition as medicine for many years. Prior to joining forces with Dr. Furman, she created a lifestyle medicine practice in western Colorado and piloted a nutritarian study at a rural hospital. She is also a veteran of the United States Air Force, a public speaker, educator, and corporate wellness expert. She also wrote two series of books while still in medical school, the Visual Mnemonic Series and Blueprints Clinical Procedures. Hi, Dr. Maribus. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's great to finally have you on the show. Well, I'm 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 really excited to hear our conversation today. Yeah, it could go anywhere. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't really know uh, much about your background. Obviously, you're a family doctor. Um, did you always practice lifestyle medicine? No, actually, I started that path about five years ago. Okay, and what led you down there? Well, it's really interesting. So I got out of the military and we uh, basically landed in Colorado in a little town called Rifle, Colorado. And, you know, it's about, if you can imagine, so Rifle is the name of a gun, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's about the type of the population that I had. I had, you know, truckers and oil field workers and hunters and, you know, there's no gatherers. It's, it is, there were many meat eaters. So, and I grew up eating meat and dairy, but about five years ago, a really incredible thing happened to me. I had a patient who was 37, um, overweight. She had multiple issues, different medications, but she happened to come to me that day and said, you know, Dr. Marvis, meat and dairy really upset my stomach. And I said, well, stop eating meat and dairy. seems like a logical conclusion. And in my head, I understood that she would be fine, but it really didn't like click with me that that left her a plant-based diet. Like that just didn't dawn on me until she came back about 30 days later and her daughter who was 16 at the time actually went on the diet with her mom because we lived in this little town where you know you had two grocery stores and no restaurants that would be anywhere remotely close to eating a healthy plant-based diet they bought their groceries and brought them home so they were eating healthy at home and what was amazing was during that 30 days, her daughter pulled herself off two attention deficit disorder medications. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so she brought her daughter with me or with her to the appointment. And she's like, Dr. Marvis, why did she, why was she able to do this? What is going on with our food? I said, I really have no idea. Like I was literally dumbfounded and I, I didn't have an answer, but being a physician and you know, there's a scientist inside of you. And so I started digging And so this was back in early 2012 and 
I was astounded at the information I was finding that had been there this hot entire time, but I had to go look for it. It wasn't like brought to me in my education as a physician in medical school. Um, I had an excellent education. I, w- I was fully prepared to write those prescriptions and send people for their mammograms and their colonoscopies and, you know, take care of a, an acute illness or an acute injury. And uh, I was fully capable of doing that. But when it came to the chronic disease, other than medication management or some type of intervention with traditional medicine, nobody had taught me about the value of nutrition. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And everywhere I looked, you know, I was like, surely there's some CME or something out there, you know, that I could learn nothing. There was like, you know, it's like crickets in a room when you like ask, hey, does anyone have any educational things I can learn, you know, as a doctor, how to present this to my patients, some really sound advice, how to incorporate it into their lives, nothing. So within your like colleague group, is that what you mean? Or No, I mean, on the internet, okay. on, yeah, anything out there that I was searching the American Academy of Family Practice, um, the AMA, nothing was out there that would allow me to educate myself so I could be confident in my knowledge to teach this to the, to patients. Okay. And so I, I was literally, I felt like I was, you know, the, the lone voice in the wilderness going, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so as I was learning about this, about two weeks later, I had a second patient come in who was, had lupus. Again, she was very young, 40 years old. Uh, diagnosed about two to three years earlier. She was a little about 50 pounds overweight. She was on 12 different medications, including um, methotrexate and high doses of prednisone. Methotrexate is a a chemo drug. And what was interesting was she was telling me about her headaches that day. The migraines were so severe. She wasn't sure she could continue working. And it was devastating to think that this young woman here is at 40 years old at the prime of her life, I consider, especially now that I'm over 40 years old, that's prime. <laughs> it's all perspective. <laughs> and it, oh, totally. It's 40 is the new 20. And uh, at least I feel that way. And, you know, she really had many years left to live if she had been healthy and and not having to fight this horrible disease because it can be terminal. It's, it's a nasty disease. Yeah. And uh, we don't fully understand it other than let's suppress the immune system and, you know, keep it at bay for a little while. But yeah, then you're at higher risk. Hosts of host of other issues become right. then, right? Yeah, it, exactly. Like cancer and infections and all these other things. And so if the medicines don't kill you, the disease might. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, she's done talking to me and telling me that day, like all these situations that's going on with her. I'm sitting going, yeah, I think I need to test this on this diet on this patient. And I said, I hope she'll be willing to be my guinea pig. And I actually honestly said, would you mind being my guinea pig? And she was like, you know what? I'll try anything because obviously nothing else is working. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't think changing medications is going to help. If anything, adding another medication is going to make you feel worse. And so we measured her inflammatory markers called CRP that day. And they were three times high normal. And she started the diet that day. She came back in two weeks because I told her, I said, I can't wait 30 days. This is just, this is too mind blowing for me. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I honestly had no handouts for her. I had no more information other than I said, I want you to cut out your animal products. And, and I think I did mention to her gluten because she had autoimmune issues, but even still it was, that's minimal. It's just like breads and stuff. And, uh, what happened was she came back in two weeks and, um, eight pounds lighter. Her CRP had dropped to just outside normal, and within five months, 50 pounds lighter off of 7 of 12 meds, including the methotrexate, including the prednisone, she had 
um, a period uh, within a few years of complete remission of her lupus with no antibodies. Um, her kidneys had been affected by lupus, had healed themselves. Wow. And I, I, I sit there, you know, at that two week point and I'm going, this is it. I'm done. And I, I'm a true believer as a physician, you have to walk the talk because as a, as a patient, you don't want to go to a doctor who's not living what they're telling you to do. Yeah. So if I tell you don't smoke, I don't smoke. If I tell you don't drink, don't drink. If I tell you don't drink coffee, I don't drink coffee. But you know, coffee's okay for some people out there. <laughs> I have a coffee sitting to me right <laughs> sitting next to me right here. So <laughs> exactly. I just don't happen to like the, the taste of it. But um what was really cool was I went home that day, God bless my family, to my husband and my three kids who were 18, 16, and 13 at that time. And I literally jumped took a garbage bag and dumped it all in the, the garbage, the eggs, the cheese, the milk, the meat, oh, wow. everything I had in my refrigerator into the trash can. I had um, a freezer in my garage that had a quart of a grass-fed beef in it um, that I was trying to figure out in my head what to do because I couldn't, in my mind, give this to someone because I'm going to be telling people how, how to get better is not to eat this stuff. So yeah. I was like, well, maybe I'll donate it to an animal shelter or something. Yeah. But what happened was in 48 hours, that freezer actually broke and that meat had to be disposed of. And I don't know if you've ever smelled such a large ugh, uh, uh, right. amount of It's a rotting carcass, meat. right? Oh, my goodness. And I, I never had a problem walking away from meat that day. Now, cheese took me, you know, I was 90 days before I quit craving that darn stuff. And, yeah. um, but, you know, my husband went on to lose 65 pounds. My allergies went away completely. My thyroid dosage, I've been hypothyroid for 20 years, has dropped consistently every year. Oh, wow. And uh, so that's how I did it. And then I then I developed over a few period, a few months to about a year, my own handout, 30 pages that I developed with patients. And if they came in for a UTI, they were leaving with a handout on a plant-based diet because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I captured every question a patient had and I'd write it down and I'd find the answer. And I, if that didn't work out, I'd find another answer okay. until I had it refined to a point that, and after reading books and reading, you know, Dr. Furman stuff and Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. Campbell and Dr. McDougall and Dr. Bernard, Dr. Gregor, all these amazing people educated me on the science of the diet, but there wasn't much practical advice. And so that's where my patients came in because I was learning from them every day. Yeah. And, uh, that's how it came across. That's how, that's how it all happened. And so it, it, it evolved organically for you from there. Yes. And then, then I became like a vigilante. I was like all <laughs> over the place. And so, you know, I, I would shout at the rooftops about how this is the way to do it and had a lot of conversions. People, a lot of people switched to the diet you know, you have a, a, a finite population of 10,000 or so in Rifle. And yeah. so then I moved on to Grand Junction, which is a bigger city. And we started a lifestyle medicine clinic there. And, you know, we ran people there. Some amazing stories came out of that. I started working at a, a work comp place and I converted the owners of the work comp place. And then we were going to go into the work uh, like employers and help them develop programs. But then I got this opportunity last year to come here and, uh, it's been amazing. I've, I've found a place that I practice Krav Maga and do some uh, fitness, and I converted those owners. I mean, practice you name what, it. I, sorry? Krav Maga, it's a uh, Israeli self-defense. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's, uh, I also do what they call combat fitness with a lady named Lee Gar- Garzinski, and she's amazing. Um, but, yeah, so they switched their diet now. And so I, I'm telling you, if you know me, you're going to learn. <laughs> I, I have no fears. I'm not one of those people that don't share it. I'm 
like I don't care. I feel it's a, it's a matter of life and death. Yeah. This is my this is the message that I was meant to share, and here I go. And so you did a you did a research project on a nutritarian lifestyle inf- intervention while in Colorado. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, actually, we did two different things. Um, okay. A friend of mine, Martin Oswald, who is amazing chef in Aspen, Colorado. He has a restaurant there called the Pyramid Bistro. And Martin and I met at a dinner hosted by um, a Dr. Feinsinger, Greg Feinsinger in Glenwood Springs, who it took us two years to under- to figure out that we were sharing the same message and we were only 25 miles apart. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, anyway, once he found out who I was and I found out who he was, we totally, you know, it's like, it's like finding a long lost brother. You're like, Oh, <laughs> and, uh, so what we end up, he had Dr. Esselstyn, Caldwell Esselstyn and his wife, Anne coming to speak. And he had a dinner beforehand. And, um, so I got to meet Dr. Esselstyn and Anne and he had, we had dinner with them and I ended up going to the Cleveland clinic with Dr. Esselstyn. It was just some cool stuff. And then at, that's where I met Martin and Dr. Feinsinger. And what we did uh, Martin came to my hospital where I worked in uh, Grand River Hospital in Rifle, Colorado, and worked with our chefs. And we did a 30-day challenge where we took um, – we started with 29 employees, but two, three of them fell out because they had obligations that couldn't do it. But 26 completed, and we had some pretty cool results. Um, you know, we had – we created – the chefs at the hospital uh, fed them. We made them meals. Um lunch and dinner. They ate the breakfast. I gave them green light foods and red light foods. And so okay. no tea, don't eat. And then we provided lunch and dinner for the weekend. They pick it up on Friday. And we did that for 30 days. And, you know, we had people losing close to 20 pounds in a month, you know, cholesterol dropping 70, 80 points, triglycerides over a hundred. We had five pre-diabetics. We're no longer pre-diabetic, wow. and, you know, fast insulin levels dropping, joint pains just going away, stomach issues going away. And so that was a really powerful experience for those people who worked there to see I wasn't just talking craziness, but you know what was really interesting is that I had to talk to the hospital lawyers before I could actually do this. I did get a, I had to convince them. No, I'm dead serious. That that they're like, well, Dr. Marvis, what if there's, you know, some, somebody gets sick after it's like eating this. I was like, do you understand? I'm only feeding them vegetables. I said, (laughs) if I get, if they get sick (laughs) off eating vegetables, then they have bigger issues (laughs) <laughs> like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm feeding people vegetables and you're telling me they might have some ill effect. Yeah, they might stop eating using some medications. Oh, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, the, those hurdles, I just like it just really gets me going. I just like a, yeah. a, I'm like a bull that just backs up and goes, OK, get ready for the charge then. So, you know, it, it's just um, I find it fun and I really feel God has led me down this path. And so I just have no fear because I know he's already blazed the path for me and I'm just walking walking the way you tell me to go. So, so was there anyone in that group that had no success? Cause I I'm no. reminded, like I I've recently been in contact with a nutritionist who talks about balance and what that means is like, I, I see it as being a uh, code word for modification or moderation, moderation, right? Mm-hmm. And like they say, I hear people say things along the lines of you got to find what's right for you. As if to say that, like, I would be okay as a carnivore, whereas you would be okay as a plant eater. And that's the best diet for we we would have a a better, a different optimal diet is was there anyone that didn't have success by switching to a nutritarian diet? Okay, so someone will do what I tell them to do if they eat the way I say 100% of people will get better. There's no doubt because on a physiological level, 
I don't care what your mental part of your head, your brain's telling you, I need to be a carnivore, I need to eat meat, that's BS. Because then you get down to the cellular level, we all need the same things. Now, unless you have some innate rare disease that doesn't allow you to, you're missing an enzyme that doesn't break something down or something like that, but the 99.9999% of the population was meant to thrive on a plant-based diet. And if anyone says moderation to me, I laugh at them, I say moderation kills. Look at an American society I'm sorry that you don't like the truth, but there's still absolute truth. Just because in your reality you want to change it doesn't change the fact. The fact is a plant-based diet was made for everybody. And um, it just it gets my goat when it's just coming up with excuses to come up and change. But this is the way it is. I'm sorry, but on a cellular level, we're all the same. You know? Yeah. Inside, it don't color if you're green, purple, red, or black, or upside down. And <laughs> you're you're gonna be the same. You're gonna digest the same. You're gonna cells need glucose. Your cells are still gonna be resist. You know, have lipotoxicity and have insulin resistance. And I mean, it's just it cracks me up when people say that. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way. It's like, how do you respond to that? Where, right? And, and that's the trouble where you're speaking with someone who has credentials behind their name. Well, I'm a dietitian. Well, I'm a nutritionist. Well, that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean anything nowadays, right? There, right? there are definitely good dietitians out there. There are definitely good nutritionists out there. Um, right. But having that designation doesn't necessarily mean that you're giving good advice. Yeah, don't even get me started on some of my interactions with some folks that claim to have, you know, they they have an RD or they have that nutrition background, but it doesn't mean that they were taught the right way. Just because, you know, someone, let's say a doctor 30 years ago was taught something doesn't mean we practice medicine the same way we did 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, look into the science, look at the facts. You cannot deny the science. The science is there. You know, Dr. Esselstyn's like, you know, Lori, to really have any type of, you know, uh, credence and when it comes to, you know, supporting this type of diet, you have to do research. I said, why do I have to do research when the research is already there? Yeah. My job is to go and spread this message to people, tell them practically how to implement it in their lives. And then what happens, it, it takes care of itself because you can't argue with the results. And yeah. so, um, I don't think I need to, you know, it took what I think Dr. Greger said six or 7,000 research papers or studies to show that smoking actually was correlated with cancer yeah. and a higher death rate. It's like, this is ludicrous. We're going to kill ourselves before we have six to 7,000 more articles in America changes. This is, this is insanity. And so I, I, I refuse to continue down that path. It's like, I don't have to do the research. We can, obviously, you know, at the center where I'm working now, we're going to be doing that. Yeah. But it, the, the message is still going to be the same. I know the truth just from what I saw. And so if you're a doctor who cares about your patients, then open your eyes and let, look at the science. Yeah. It's simple. Well, part of the problem is like we live in an information age now. Mm-hmm. And so like the, 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 quote you're referring to is like it was 7,000 studies before the Surgeon General finally came out against it. But the College of Physicians or something still took took a while to get on board to that, right? And that was because right. they they got money from the tobacco lobby. And, right, so... Think of all the people who died. Exactly. All those people who but died unnecessarily. During that time, there were studies coming out to say that this smoke was better than that smoke choose the smoke that was healthier, the healthier option. And and you kind of have that today as well, right? Like I, right. I see sometimes where someone will come back and provide two or three studies that show a, 
a low correlation between say meat consumption and cancer or something like that. Um, but you, you really need to be a scientist to be able to read that research paper and, and see any flaws that might be there. Like maybe they, they overcompensated for, uh, adjusting for say cholesterol level. Well, if you adjust for cholesterol level, then you're not really taking into account uh, the the mm. amount of meat they're eating or something like that, right? So, so it it gets yeah. hard because there can be science that muddies the water. Well, and I think this is a really simple thing. I tell people, watch the money. So wherever the money flows, that's going to tell you your bias. So if this study is from an unbiased group of scientists who aren't being paid by someone who could benefit from the study's outcome going one way or the other, then you can feel fairly confident that's probably going to be they're, they don't care about the outcome. They just want the truth. Yeah. And, but you're right. Absolutely. If someone adjusts for cholesterol intake, well, yeah, then meat might not show that it's uh, an issue for heart disease or whatever. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we take a, you know, we pick little pieces of a study and think that that, that one study is going to change the facts. But the overwhelming evidence shows that a plant-based diet is the healthy way to eat. It's for longevity, disease prevention, and to live your life the way we're supposed to live. And yeah. it's amazing. Well, and the practical day-to-day results prove that, right? Like oh. like you said, every patient that switched to the Nutritarian diet got better. Over and over and over again. Five years later, the same <laughs> thing happens every day. Yeah. No, no one got worse. <laughs> no, nobody got worse. And it's really funny for me. I, I, I think I've told you this before, but I, it's, you know how they talk about when you have drugs or do alcohol, you get an elevation in dopamine and it feels good. Yeah. So every time I convince a patient to follow this lifestyle and they come back and they're praising the value of vegetables, I like, it's like a hit of dopamine. So I call it my veggie crack. Uh-huh. It's like, there is such a high in having people actually heal. It's the most amazing experience in the world. And it, you don't have to be a physician to share this message. Yeah. You could be, you're, you know, sharing this message to your family, to your neighbors, to your, your children, to your, the school teachers, your school teachers. There's just so much that we all could do. It's going to take an army to change this culture. Yeah. And it's going to take another army to change, you know, our government and USDA recommendations of what we should be eating and our food policy. And, uh, you know, I could talk for hours just on that, but it's just, it's an amazing thing to me that people would look and look, trust a blogger saying, Oh, you need to eat an Atkins diet over the science of a doctor like Dr. You know, Dr. Furman or uh, Dr. Bernard or Dr. Greger. It, it just, it's, it's, it's ludicrous to me how yeah. you couldn't see this. I think a part of the trouble is you've got doctors like Dr. Atkins, right? Right. Who I've got a doctor credential as well, and I'm saying that you need right. You need to minimize carbs, right? But yep. again, Dr. Atkins was selling something. Right. Right. So, right. What is the end game? What yeah. is the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unfortunate. So now you are at Dr. Furman's Health Oasis in Florida. You're the yes, clinical director there. Yeah, I'm the medical director of Dr. Furman's Health Oasis. Um, it's a pretty cool story. So uh, Jack Friedman and Donna Hearn were um, substance abuse counselors here for many, many years. Um, and about five years ago, Jack developed type 2 diabetes. And they discovered Dr. Furman, and you know the story. They lost weight. He got off his versus diabetes completely. 
And, uh, you know, this is like bread and butter now. Reversing type 2 diabetes is like, if you do this, you will get better. You may not get off all your meds, but most people will. And um, what was really interesting was they had kind of fallen out of the substance abuse counseling. And Donna had this brainchild of, we should ask Dr. Furman, who they hadn't met yet, (laughs) about incorporating a nutritarian diet and medical observation with clinical or the psychology component of mental health to really help people overcome food addiction, which is basically the majority of America. Because if you tell someone you need to eat this way to prolong your life, prevent chronic disease, you know, reverse that type two diabetes you have reverse that cardiac um, issue that you have the, you know, the coronary artery disease, um, a host of other issues, lower your cholesterol, make your joints feel better, help your stomach, whatever. And they tell you no, because I have to have it because that's how I live. That's a food addiction. Yeah. You, you have now moved from food as fuel to food is, is what I have to have. It's like, I have to have my next hit of, you know, a cigarette or alcohol. And it's amazing to me what the incredible, um, things that are going on here. And it's just, for me, it's just incredible how I got this job. But anyway, they, they approached Dr. Furman and, um, before you know it, about a year ago, the plans were set in motion and, um, through member Martin, the chef from Aspen, I had knew Dr. Furman and I had met him very briefly, but Dr. Furman and him are friends. Martin has written some recipes and stuff for him previously. Okay. And Martin was down here opening up a new restaurant with, um, called Bollet with, uh, well not opening it, but he was helping. He was a consulting chef on the, on our project. And Dr. Furman was down here talking to Jack and Donna and they were talking about how they needed a medical director. And this was last May and Martin goes, well, I got the perfect person for you. And that same night, while they're still driving in their car, um, I'm talking on the phone with Dr. Furman and he's like, Hey, yeah, you want to come down to Boca Raton, uh, and uh, be my medical director for this clinic. And I was like, uh, yeah, Do that would I. be great. <laughs> I should probably, let me talk to my poor family. And, uh, and my husband's like, uh, Lori, like, really, this is like your dream job. I was like, you have no idea. This is like every day I go to work and it's like pinching myself. I'm like, I get paid to tell people to eat right. Everyone that I work with eats this way. Um, we're all on the same page. There's, there's such a significant amount of things that I can do medically, there's like a limit. But when you bring in the clinical psychologist, and these guys are amazing what they do, they are magic. When you see the person come in the doors and what they leave in, their mind has changed, their, their, their whole person has changed because we've gone not only to let's fix what you're intaking to your body. Yeah, I can tell you to eat this diet. And I can tell you how to do it. But if I don't change the mental hurdles, they're going to, they're going to, those obstacles are yeah. going to be placed in front of you again. These guys like just remove them. Like they just pull them out. Like you got an abscess too. They just yank it out of the way and help you fix it. And they come out a whole nother person. And it's just, I am learning so much, so much. And I'm so thankful to be able to be a part of it and just learn from these amazing people. And, uh, Oh, it's incredible. If, uh, I tell you, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's an amazing experience and God has been so good to me and allow me to be here. So, well, mood, mood disorders and depression, it's, it's all, it comes down to like everything you feel is because of chemistry in your brain. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you're eating the right foods, you're allowing your body to 
concoct the right chemistry to feel appropriately. Mm-hmm. If you're re- eating bad foods, your body is less able to uh, concoct the right chemicals for you to feel well. That's why there's associations with mood disorders mm-hmm. and depression is, is higher amongst meat eaters than vegetarians and vegans, right? Absolutely. There's some amazing science on in depression. And I just actually last week gave a lecture on depression and nutri- nutrition. And so as a, during the week, I give lectures twice a week and then we do a food demo and we teach them how to cook this way. Oh, and then awesome. we do a grocery store tour on Friday afternoons. I call them our field trips. And we have more fun um, just watching these guys become super confident in their shopping skills. And yeah. I'll ask them about something. It's like, well, Dr. I can't have that, Dr. Marks, because this is why. And I'm like, you guys are so amazing. They, they're just doing so great. But absolutely, when you're eating these foods, the cool thing is when someone walks in the door the first day and we provide them breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you, you have some people who go through some withdrawals and they're pretty significant. They can last, you know, upwards of seven days in some people and their taste buds change. So now they're tasting real food because they don't rely heavily on spicing. There is some herbs and some spices, but it's not like overly done like in some dishes. So, because we want them to really taste the food, you know, taste the sweetness of a strawberry and taste the sourness of an, you know, a lemon and, and see those combinations of foods and how, you know, you can use cauliflower to, to make a sauce and just some amazing mind blowing things for them. And they're simple. It doesn't have, you don't have to be a gourmet chef to eat this way. It's just the food's together are such a symphony of taste that they didn't really discover because we've basically taken our food system and our foods and we just, you know, you layered salt and yeah. fat and sugar on it. And before you know it, that's all you taste. And that our brain's going, yeah, give me some more. Yeah. Give me yeah. some more. So we've removed that layer and we allow them to eat right. And then at the same time we're addressing, you know, someone's, for example, they lost a loved one and they're, they've been overeating since then, or they, they had, you know, a, a crisis as a child and they went to food as comfort because they didn't have control of their, of their life when, at that young age. So there's those things now we're bringing into the fold. It's an amazing experience to see these people not only heal physically, but mentally and spiritually. And for me, that's the whole package. And this is like a magic place. If ever I could say, <laughs> I've never been, I mean, I, I know I changed lives in rifle saying eat this way, but I didn't have the opportunity other than the lifestyle medicine clinic. We did bring in behavioral health there and that was very helpful, but not to this extent because that was still outpatient. Um, I have never seen where it's such a, a perfect storm to actually heal and to be a part of something so new and so incredible is mind blowing to me. Absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, Mm -hmm. a lot of people fill that mental void, right, with food. It's you feel down, so then it's the cycle of addiction, right? Like you feel down, um, so you have something that's high in fat or high in sugar, and you get that dopamine rush, and that makes Mm -hmm. you feel good for a fleeting moment. Um, mm-hmm. and then, then you need more to get, to reclaim that rush. And uh, eventually you get, uh, a higher tolerance. So you need more mm-hmm. and more and more to get that dopamine rush and your body mm-hmm. kind of, um, rations out the dopamine for you. So it takes longer and mm-hmm. more and, and, and it, mm-hmm. that's the cycle of addiction and you end up, you, you can never get enough. 
That's exactly right. Your body, it's just like with alcohol. Um, yep. So you, you drink and then your body's like, ooh, I get this, you get more dopamine. Well, then over time, your body is like, it's, it's this hyper stimulation, like highly, pal- you know, this hyper palatable food that we eat, consume in America. What happens is the same thing that we do with alcohol or smoking or whatever. You get that dopamine, your body builds a tolerance. So now we've down regulated our dopamine receptors on that receiving neuron or whatever. And now it takes even more of the substance to create that change. And then, then we get this thing called toxic hunger. So we've eaten this horrible food and we think we're full, but in an hour and a half or two hours, people are shaky and they've got a headache. They're moody. They're irritable. They call it hangry, you know, hungry, angry. And honestly, they're still should be in the digestion phase of the meal. And so what happens though, they're just finishing up the digestion and now their body's like, I need my next hit because I'm going through withdrawals because I really need that food. Whereas if you're eating a healthy plant-based diet, a whole foods plant-based diet, you would probably be okay for four to six hours. Yeah. You know, so these people are saying I have to eat every two hours, right? Because I'm hypoglycemic and you check their blood, their blood sugar is normal or it's even a little high. It's like, you're not hypoglycemic. You're going through toxic withdrawal from this terrible foods. Yeah. And, uh, they, we just don't understand that that's what's going on. And that's what I love about Dr. Furman's approach is this micro density, the, the, the micronutrients and the dense foods that we're eating. That's just amazing how we heal our body. It's a very logical thing. You know, his, you know, we had talked about this before the podcast that, you know, your health equal equals your nutrition, your nutrients divided by calories. And yeah. you really want to have a really high nutrient dense food with a low calorie density food. So that where your, your score of your health goes up, it's hard to explain without like writing it on the chalkboard, but yeah. it, it's, it's an amazing, uh, equation of food and it makes complete and logical sense. And, uh, yeah, that, that's it's a cycle that people just keep putting. And now we're feeding our children like this. Oh, yes, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Gosh, <sighs> creating, creating little food addicts. Luckily, I grew up in a home without any money. We, I, I, we grew up pretty, pretty significantly uh, struggling financially. And so we never got to go out to eat the junk food. It was like a treat every once in a while. And so we ate what my mom cooked or we grew in our garden and, and that was it. You know, we eat a lot of beans, a lot of potatoes, some meat, but not much because couldn't afford it. Yeah. Sadly, um, now the junk food is cheaper than. Right. Right. Well, not not necessarily. It depends on like we, we could talk about this in a second here. You, you're doing the $50. Oh, a yeah. Week. Um, Let me tell you. <laughs> but like people people go to Walmart and they see Raymond noodles on for 25 cents. And right. That's the that's right. the cheapest thing they can eat. But that, if you go back to that health equation, you're getting calories, but zero nutrition on the top. So that's an it's mm-hmm. an infinitely poor health quotient. <laughs> Right. You're exactly right. The health quotient is uh, upside down when you eat those type of foods. Yeah, no, I did the $50 per week challenge because that is one thing that I kept. It's a recurring theme. And especially when I was in Colorado, not so much here. I mean, I'm, I'm in Boca Raton, Florida. It's like a very wealthy place. And but, you know, there's still people here who live within a certain means. And I, you know, living here while my family's still in Colorado, we're on a budget. 
And so I was like, this is going to be great. So I videoed for three weeks before my family came for the holidays because then I had to feed five people. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I, can, I would struggle with $50 a week on five people. I could probably stretch it, but it'd still be a little bit of a challenge. But, You'd um, just be eating rice and beans. <laughs> pretty much. And uh, they might protest a tad bit. Um, but what was amazing was it was really easy. Even at Publix, which is a kind of like a Kroger or City Market or Safeway or okay. you know one of the more common grocery stores here in the United States, I I, I easily did this fifty dollars per week, and I had a huge variety of food. And there's a store called Aldi's that I didn't have in Colorado. This store is amazing. Okay, mm. the. I am an Aldi addict. So you walk in, it's like a little bit of a warehouse type setting and they just kind of stack uh, the food. They don't, they check out you, your groceries. They don't gro- They don't bag them for you. You have to rent the grocery cart and you get your quarter back because they want you to push it back to the, where the grocery carts yeah. are lined up because they didn't want to pay someone to go grab them so they can actually give you this, the cost savings. So they pass the savings on to you. And their food, their produce is amazing. Nuts, you know, 10 ounce to a 12 ounce bag of pecans is like $5, like $4.99. Oh, wow. And I'm sitting here mind blowing and the spices are cheap. And I'm like, if Aldi ever need a spokesperson, I will be in front of that line. <laughs> it is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, Honestly, they have some- that, you speak true. Like before going grocery shopping was a chore for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you'd go and you'd pick up your meat and you'd basically go to the frozen section and you get pop tarts or gross food <laughs> now it's an adventure you go in you're like i, I feel like i'm I, i'm a child again i'm just running through la la land i'm like look at all this lovely color i love the produce section <laughs> that, and you it, know that's so true <laughs> it's just an adventure like the you enjoy buying your food i no longer like i remember being in the kitchen previously and like being grossed out like handling chicken And you'd wash your hands before and then you'd wash your hands after and you'd have to wash off all the surfaces. And and it was like I felt like being in a bio lab. And now it's Mm. just like grab something out of the fridge, give it a good rinse and away you go. There's no concern about salmonella. There's no concern about E. coli. Um, Like it's just natural. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's really interesting we had a grocery tour yesterday with with our patients and we went through Whole Foods and we were walking by. I wanted them to see the salad bar and make some decisions because there's prepared soups and different things and we're reading ingredients. Yeah. And but as we walked by the, the kind of the warm food bar, you know, there's meat and then there's rice and potatoes and they go, Dr. Marbus, look at the color difference. So like, this is the food we've been eating that they're the, the colors, you know, the, the bell peppers and the blueberries and the spinach yeah. and the kale. And they go, look how the blah that is over there. It's like meat and rice, you know, nothing wrong with rice, but we want brown rice, but you know, it was mashed potatoes and with oil and just fried stuff. And they're like, I don't even want to look at that because it makes me tired just to look at it. And it is. It's so fun. It's such a beautiful plate to eat even a veggie burger. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah, all it's that other amazing. stuff has that beige, bland color. Yes, right? yes. Yeah, I was talking yes. to my wife about that yesterday. It's like any any food, any processed food that you've got and you're looking at the ingredients and it has added color to it. Why did mm. they need to add color to that? <laughs> right like shouldn't it be appealing on its own if it's if it's good food 
Like if, if you have to add color to something, chances are it's not what you're supposed to be eating. Absolutely. 100%. Why do I need to add artificial dyes to my food to make it look appealing uh, to you? Exactly. Yeah. Then the, that should, there, that should be a red flag right there. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, there's a reason we see color, right? Like we see color <laughs> because we're supposed to be in Ecuadorial Africa rummaging through the jungle and look over there there's oranges on that tree in this sea of mm -hmm. green let's go and eat that orange because that's where i get my nutrition exactly right so <laughs> so what's the i guess like the people that come to the health oasis obviously they're believers already most of the time or like no no not necessarily yeah we have people who have actually never even heard of dr Furman because we're doing tv commercials we do uh a lot of you know facebook ads and different marketing so yeah we reach obviously people that are, are familiar with dr Furman, and that's been a lot of our initial ones but we have some people too that have just like i i know nothing about this and they come and when we tell them what they're going to be eating, they're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> what did and, I sign uh, up for? Yeah, I was like, oh, I, was like, I said, but now I have you. You can't leave. And, uh, you know, it's it's really fun to take those people who not only think they understand a nutritarian or a plant-based approach to, to eating, um, but also those who don't know it, but those who think they know it and really meld them together and there's a lot of gaps in knowledge because they may skim through a book or they may try it for a few days and then they fall off because we haven't addressed the food addiction so yeah you you never you really never know who's going to walk in the door so okay. it could be a lot of different ones and so what what should someone expect when they're coming there you said there's some education <laughs> piece there's some oh, yeah. shopping piece cooking piece right so there's two I, I call it two tracks. So you have the medical components and then you have the clinical side, clinical meaning the psychological, the psychological services, the okay. mental health the benefits. So the medical, you know, I do a phone consult with the, the people first to determine if they're actually going to be good candidates to come stay with us. Okay. And once they arrive, we do, you know, your basic blood work. We do a physical examination. We talk about their medications. We talk about their diabetic or hypertensives that, we're going to be treating you with intensive nutrition therapy. So we have to be very careful because those things will improve rapidly yeah. and not uncommon to stop blood pressure meds the first week and stopping your insulin the first week. And so those are pretty cool things to have people. They're excited to see that. Um, so I do that. I also teach the classes. I teach about this way of eating. Um, you know, I explain the science, the, uh, food addiction in and of itself, you know, how we reverse diabetes and how this works and just, you know, the describing of what lipotoxicity is and insulin resistance and what, down to a cellular level. So they fully understand it. And I teach them, you know, why we don't eat certain types of foods and why we eat other types of foods and why we want to add, you know, ground flaxseed, for example, to our diets yeah. and why we want to do the G bombs, you know, or the greens, the beans, the onions, mushrooms, berries, and nuts and seeds. <laughs> I mean, it just rolls off my tongue at this point. Yeah. And so, those things I teach along with food demo, I cook for patients, um, or I have some other people that are working with us now, some amazing staff, the one in particular, Brian Hetrich, who's amazing. He does food demos with me. I have an amazing nutritionist, Anna Hathaway, who's 
from Brazil and she brings her knowledge and we're quite a team with that. And then we also do what I call the, you know, I was telling you the Friday field trips where we go to different places and we learn how to shop and then I'll pull up menus off a restaurant and we'll go through and say, what are you going to order? You know, what are you going to order when you go to this place? What are you going to do when you go out to eat with a friend that you haven't seen in 20 years? What are you going to do when you have a party at, at work? So those are things because once they're prepared with the knowledge of the practicalities, they'll feel confident going home to do that. Yeah. Well, then we have what I consider the most important part is those, the clinical component because these people, I, uh, I'm telling you, they're like magicians. I don't know how they do it. I, I need to go sit in and on some sessions, but they have individual and group therapies. And what they cover is, you know, everything from managing stress to interpersonal relationships to women's issues to, you know, men's issues to, you know, grief and loss. I mean, there's so much that I, I can't even begin to tell you. Um, so I'm just, I feel like I'm a small component of this. I give them the practical stuff, the tools, but, you know, I can give them the keys, but then the psychologist, the clinical staff actually, you know, they, they tell them how to put it in the engine and turn it on. Yeah, they unlock the going. mental door. Yeah, exactly. And they and they keep the car running. You know, they, they tell you to keep the gas in the tank. And it's just an amazing, an amazing place. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So you mentioned that you screen to see who isn't a good fit. Right. Why right. would someone not be a good fit to come? Um, I, I think, honestly, it's individuals who are still, let's say they have an alcohol addiction or there's a chronic pain uh, issue with narcotics or benzodiazepines because to fix an addiction and then fix the entire person and make you healthy and well, those things have to be dealt with first. Um, because we're just, we would just be moving the, from the food addiction to uh, another substance that hasn't been dealt with. And we're not in a, in a place, at least right now, to deal with that as well. Okay. So we, we ask people to have stopped smoking, to have, you know, stop the alcohol and help work with their doctors to wean off chronic, uh, narcotic medications. Um, and with that being said, those three things and, um, otherwise everyone's welcome. <laughs> so, you know, I, I hate to be that way, but that's really what we need because we want the person to succeed. Yeah. We don't want them to come through the program and not have the success that they should if they haven't dealt with those things first. And yeah. we, that's just, that's just not our role right now. And, and there may come a time that we can, we can take that on. But as of right now, that's just not what we're doing. Yeah. I can say that like quitting smoking was the hardest thing I've ever had mm-hmm. to do. It's mm-hmm. you like that kind of addiction. You, you end up doing anything to satisfy it. Mm-hmm. And it's right. like it, it will sabotage any other, any other efforts that you're really having. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So that's what I meant by screening those who may not be a good point in their life right now gotcha. to come join us. Yep. And so do you, do you guys um, have like an exercise regime that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, depending on the individuals, cause we could have people come who are unable to physically, you know, we, we, the other criteria is that people have to be able to ambulate, you know, or walk, uh, be ambulatory and walk, you know, to from their rooms to the van to get in to come because okay. we don't we don't have um, the, the staff to actually be, you know, that point. We can't dress someone or something like that. Yeah. 
that'd be great if we get to that point because there's a lot of people I think that would benefit from having those services. Um, but anyway, so, you know, when they come, uh, we look at them, you know, honestly, I just get people moving with walking. They have a gym available to them. Um, depending on where they stay, they can stay. There's some apartments on the intracoastal and there's also the Boca beach club, which is a resort setting. It's beautiful. It's amazing. They're both amazing places. So, but they're, they're two different levels of accommodations depending on the financial constraints of the individual. And they both have gyms, wonderful gyms. Um, I also have a lady that's starting, her name's Lee Gersinski, who I work out with, who's amazing, going to be working with our folks in the gym, telling them, you know, showing them the beginnings of exercise. We also have a pool available for someone, for example, if they're significantly overweight, you know, the buoyancy of the water, yeah. just walking through the water and movement has been amazing for people. So we keep it very simple, no more than 20 minutes or so for those who haven't been exercising. Okay. Now, if we have someone who has already been exercising, which we've had, you know, someone might be working out, you know, 45 minutes a day. Well, we'll, we'll work with them to make accommodations, but we try to keep the groups together um, as best we can. We don't want people isolating themselves. And yeah. we have staff with them 24-7. They, they're being monitored. We can't, they're not going in and physically helping them, you know, get out of bed or dress or, but they're, we, they have staff with them. We call behavioral health techs with them 24 seven. So okay. people don't drive. They get, we take, you know, every opportunity to make this, you know, I don't want to say they're put away, but it, in a sense, we're taking away any potential temptation Okay. To fall off, fall off the bridge. So we're 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 <laughs> you're providing we're gonna, every opportunity for success. We're, we're hugging them. Yeah, exactly. We're hugging them tight because <sighs> we really we really want them to succeed. And um, honestly, they they've had a great time. We um, you know they do some field trips on the weekends as well. And there's like a little uh, turtle park. They go to Gumbo Limbo or the beach or whatever. And you know it's just so therapeutic even walking along the ocean. But the, yeah, we do provide exercise and it's in a, in a monitored setting. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned that you had a cool story about some books you wrote while you were in med school. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, so when I started medical school, I had three children that were five, three and 10 months old. Oh, and wow. uh, <laughs> yeah, that alone is, <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't recall how I did it. Um, I was very fortunate, though, that I have a very supportive husband, but he was driving 100 miles one way to work because <clears throat> he was still active duty in the Air Force. We've both been active duty military, and I, I went on later, but he was still active duty at that time. So we were living in Lubbock, Texas, and he'd drive to Cannon Air Force Base, which is 100 miles one direction, and then he'd come home wow. another 100 miles. So it's 200 miles round trip. So if anybody complains about their commute, just don't ever mention it to my husband. Um, <laughs> God bless. He's such a good person and he puts up with me. I'm just like, again, <laughs> thankful. And, um, so anyway, so when I started, I actually started a joint degree program. It's a, a dual degree program, excuse me, a MD MBA. So I got my MBA in health organization management at the same time with three little kids. My grandmother lived with us, um, she helped out some. She had some health issues herself. Um, my third year of medical school, she had breast cancer and a stroke. And okay. so we, we had a lot going on in that little house. But when I started medical school and <clears throat> all these classes and the flood of knowledge that they expect you to memorize and to assimilate and to remember and regurgitate on a test was 
uh, <laughs> it was like a tsunami of yeah. information and and you knew it was coming and what stressed you out even further but then I'd go home and I have little kids and they want my attention and you know I I have a picture of my daughter when she was was five and you know she's she looked like she had been crying laying on my lap and I'm looking at the computer and the boys are one of them's three running around with I don't even know what's in his hand the and the and the one year old's holding two balloons and they're all, and I'm trying to study so that that was literally <laughs> was such a, a great snapshot of my everyday life during that time so I would look for anything that I could do to make my brain work better. So I drew, I've been, I've loved drawing since I was a little kid. I was a doodler well earlier, probably in, in part times of school, I probably shouldn't have been doodling, you know, <laughs> I was like, I was trying, I was listening. I just, cause I, I did well in school. Um, but well, it's a, it's a learning, uh, mechanism. It, I know it is a visual thing. Yeah. When I was at, um, working for a public accounting firm, they would, uh, they, if we were doing courses, they would bring in like Play-Doh and toys and stuff because they recognize <laughs> that some people learn better while just fidget, fidgeting, essentially. Like some Absolutely. people doodle, some people play with things, but that you learn better when your mind is double-tasked. Right. I'm I'm a fidgeter, I guess. Um, but definitely a doodler. And I've always loved to draw. My mother is an amazing... Uh, she had an amazing skill when she was younger as well. But um, what was interesting... I had a friend mention um, that she had her dad had actually done like cartoons to memorize stuff. He wasn't a physician, but it was a really it just kind of triggered something into me. So I started thinking, now, how can I do this with pharmacology? So pharmacology, there's so many drugs and there you had to know their mechanisms and their side effects and blah, blah, blah. And so what I would do, for example, there's a peptidoglycans is, you know, I would is a think of it as a, a broad umbrella term for a certain class of drugs. Okay. And so peptidoglycans would be a Pepsi bottle. So Pepsi, peptidoglycans. Pep, yeah. So whenever I would see that, I would see, then I could visualize in my mind the picture, the cartoon. So you had the Pepsi bottle, and for example, the vancomycin is a van. So vancomycin, because it's V-A-N, <laughs> yep. so it was a little van in the cartoon running across the Pepsi bottle. And in the Pepsi bottle, I would color the vancomycin red because there's a flushing syndrome that comes with vancomycin. Okay. Um, and then it was running over some mean-looking little sugar cubes because <laughs> there's part of that process of how it works is in the mean sugars. It's A-M-I-N-E. And, you know, the disruption of the mean sugar. Anyway, yep. that's there's a long – but all of that's how I would do it. And then it went on from pharmacology to behavioral health to microbiology to anatomy phys – biochemistry and then my classmates started getting wind of what I was doing and then we I think we um I think there was like drawing parties it was pretty funny so you know I would hand out my drawings I had like now I had like assignments due for my classmates so they could learn what I was doing so I was it was what was really cool I would read it first and I would draw it out and then I would read it again to make sure I got it correct yeah and so I was like learning and I could doodle and read while, you know, doing my, my family or whatever. You made learning fun. Yes. It, it was so much more easy or more, um, assimilate into my head. Yeah. And so what happened was I had an instructor, <laughs> Dr. Pelly, who, um, is still there by the way. Uh, my daughter's actually starting medical school this summer and, uh, She's going to Texas Tech, and Dr. Pelly's still there, and it's just so cool. Oh, that's but awesome. um, yeah, so <clears throat> what happened was 
he's like, I, I know an editor. And, um, before I know it, we published seven books and we called them, well, what six of them were called visual mnemonics. And then we did a clinical blueprints, which is, um, I did in residency. And what we did there was, is you're in residency and training. Um, there are opportunities to learn things. So basically you watch one, you learn how to do it and then you teach it. And that's kind of how you make it through residency training because, You've got to be there to learn it. Well, sometimes you might miss an opportunity to learn a very important skill because you just never had it presented to you. And so what we did was like, you know, I see a gap in knowledge here, so let's fill it. So what we did is we came up with a list of the most common procedures that, you know, either like an internist or a family medicine doctor or a pediatrician would need to learn. And we call them clinical blueprints. And uh, we... The Texas Tech was amazing. They allowed us to use, you know, their facilities and Blackwell Publishing came in and with a photographer. Oh, and, that's awesome. You know, I had residents um, volunteering. I used my children. I used my grandmother's x-rays. <laughs> and, you know, we did all these really cool things. And that was a blast. And so that was really helpful. So, yeah, that was that was a long time ago. So would, um, would you recommend <laughs> these books only for healthcare professionals like should an yeah, average like, joe grab them and and now i can if, do you know, medical if procedures I have, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the clinical you know the 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 clinical procedures you know is it's going to be for someone who's in the healthcare um field now if you have someone who's in college for example who's studying to be a physical therapist or a nurse or pre-med absolutely those are very helpful i don't even know if they're in print anymore you can get them used my i saved some for my daughter she has a whole collection so when she starts medical school who knows maybe we'll revive it <laughs> i think i saw them on amazon this morning so did you see on amazon yeah. sweet um but yeah so she's she's excited to be able to use a resource that her mom used granted the pharmacology is significantly different than 20 yeah. years ago yeah um but she uh She's. It's going to be really fun for her to to say, yeah, that was my my crazy mother. Um, but we started med- we started medical school in kindergarten the same day. She was oh, happy wow. as a lark, running into school, and I was like bawling like a little baby. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, my baby's growing up, and I'm going to medical school. Oh, my goodness! So it was a dream come true. It was it was a long long term dream. And since since I was ten, I wanted to be a doc. So that's incredible. Yeah, that's how that happened. That's a great story. <laughs> So if someone's listening now, what uh, one piece of advice would you have for a Pat Mender? You know, I I just love the name of your podcast, too. I think that's so amazing. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it is. It's 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 mending your path. Um, though there's so much, but I think it's just a matter of don't be afraid to start just because you don't know something. Something seems so overwhelming don't look at it that way. Just start adding those foods, your vegetables, your fruits, your whole grains, your beans, um, seeds, nuts into the diet and just start thinking about, well, how can I make what I already eat healthier? And then as you move along, you know, remove the dairy, remove the meat, remove that processed food. Do you need to go to Starbucks and have your frappuccino, whatever, every that, you know, and pay 10 bucks, you know, you're going to be amazed that your bank account's going to be thankful too, because it's not going to cost as much yeah. that I think is this just starting. That's a lot of people, but then there's people like me who just have to just do once they're convinced they do it overnight. But I still say, you know, 
come up with a plan of action. Um, that's, you know, there's so many resources now, like for example, Dr. Furman's books, the end of heart disease, the end of diabetes, um, end of dieting. Those are great resources because they really help you explain the science and they give you a bit of a way to get started. There's some recipes and online, like I love the happy herbivore and Oh, she glows. And there's some great websites, but just have a bit of a plan in place because there's so much right now that you can reach out and find the information. Cause instead like me, I just went home on a lark and said, I'm just doing this. And then I was up to one in the morning Googling plant-based foods because I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, there's no need to put yourself through the stress um, of that because then I thought, well, now my big experiment's going to fail because I wasn't prepared to bring this to the family in a, in a way that I should have. But, um, you know, it happened for a reason. But uh, I, I just say there's so much information. Give yourself a, a little grace and you're going to fall off the wagon here and there. I did once three months after going plant-based and had a – they did. we were out of almond milk frozen yogurt. So I had the regular and I was sick for 24 hours. I oh won't do that again. Oh, it was like the flu. And that, for me, that was like the, Oh yeah, definitely won't be doing that again. Yeah. And, I just hit myself uh, with a hammer. It's ball, a sledgehammer. Jeez. <laughs> and, and so honestly, you know, I think, you know, if that happens, learn, see what your body does. You may not have a reaction, but a lot of people do, but at the same time, jump back on it. Just because you fall off doesn't mean you stay off. Yeah. And you know, that it's a cycle um, that we go through every day. Every new, every new day is a new opportunity to change your the destiny of your life. You change the trajectory of your life when you change what you're eating. And it's so important to understand there's so much more to life than what's on our plate as far as in the enjoyment of the food. And the food is amazing once you start eating this way. But you just feel so good that other opportunities start presenting themselves because you're not dealing with the chronic illness and the fatigue and your mental alertness is aware and you're able to go, well, maybe, yeah, I do have a goal of, I want to run, you know, a 5k. Well, now I actually feel good. My joint pain's gone away. So I'm going to do it. It's amazing. The, the snowball effect that occurs. So just starting, just start. I couldn't agree more. It's add more fruits and vegetables, add more healthy plant foods. And eventually that'll push out the bad stuff that's on your plate that you're eating exactly yeah exactly and and i agree like a fail to plan is a plan to fail so (laughs) figure out something that like make make set yourself up for success right right exactly so well thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today it's been it's been great well i appreciate you inviting me it was it was very fun yes it was awesome for me as well great thank you thank you Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mend It Pass podcast at www.menditpass.com. Don't forget to check out the Mend It Pass resource page at www.menditpass.com forward slash resources. There you'll find many resources that can help you on your journey back to better. See you all next time. Visit menditpass.com and get back to better.